0: You're listening to Soul Crush, a podcast dedicated to spirituality, sexuality, and sharing stories that inspire the soul. We release an episode each new and full moon devoted to healing the shame that binds us and illuminating the infinite possibilities and courage of the human spirit. We recognize infinite universal divinity as who we really are and help move others away from ideas and beliefs around God and love that are oppressive. We support the fullest expression of our soul's highest callings to be of service in this world. This is a celebration not of the I or of the me, but of universal love and reverence for the earth that we walk upon. I am your grateful host, Adriana Rizzolo, and I am humbled and honored to be here with you all. My soul crush today is a beautiful woman named Olivia Clementine. Olivia is a relational guide, an herbalist, a teacher, and a yogini. Olivia and I have been very dear friends and sadhana sisters, women walking paths of devotion together side by side for some years now. We've led retreats together and many workshops, many women's circles, and We've really just bonded in our devotion to the divine and in our own unique paths of walking towards and in unconditional love and beauty. I met Olivia when I was on a silent retreat at Omega Institute many years ago. And so our relationship began in silence, which is very rare for me. Um, very good medicine for me to be in silence. But we met and we got to really feel each other out for a handful of days before we actually, you know, had a conversation. And so I just feel like it's it's such a beautiful um, way of getting to know one another. And in this episode, we just get into everything from death to you know, God to orgasms to all types of things that, you know, I am so excited (laughs) to share with you just, um, things that we talk about all the time when we, when we talk, but to open these conversations up for all of us, um, for all of us to feel a little bit more connected, a little less alone, it's a new moon. And so sending blessings to you on this new moon, I wanted to read a poem by a saint called Laleshwari and she was a Kashmiri um, mystic and she was in a very um, unhappy marriage when she was young, she was alive in the 14th century and she left home at the age of 24 to take sannyasa, sannyasa which means uh, renunciation and she became a disciple of a Shaivite guru named Siddha Srikantha whom she ultimately surpassed in Spiritual Attainments. She wrote this beautiful poem, which I feel like is great for this episode and for your soul and this new moon. The soul like the moon is now and always new again. And I have seen the ocean continuously creating. Since I scoured my mind and my body, I too, Lala, am new, each moment new. My teacher told me one thing, live in the soul. When that was so, I began to go naked and dance. So if you have an opportunity today for this new moon, one of your intentions can just be to take off your clothes and do some dancing and just get really free in your body and sit back and enjoy this episode of Soul Crush. Hello and welcome to episode two of Soul Crush. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to one of my dear friends and just one of the coolest, wisest, badass, loving women that I know. Her name is Olivia Clementine. Hello, Olivia. Hello. (laughs) your bird. <laughs> your bird. she wanted to come up with a new name before we started but here we are here we are
1: olivia. Um, olivia is fine
0: olivia so i'm going to just share a little bit about olivia just to give you her background olivia is devoted to helping you live in alignment with your innate wisdom through the path of relationship including relationship with your inner life with others and with our natural world she is on the mission of authentic love and liberation, helping you not just feel more free, but actually be free in your body, heart, mind, and life. When Olivia is not offering sessions and workshops and retreats, she is outgrowing and gathering medicine and blending for her botanical collection. Ah, let's just start with like a few just nice deep breaths. Amazing. So I want to give, I want to give a little. To, to you, Olivia, um, I'm just going to share a little bit about Soul Crush, just to kind of give us a little yeah. foundation here. So Soul Crush is a podcast devoted to exploring spirituality, sexuality, and stories that inspire the soul. My intention is to open a space of moving deeper into truth, sharing love, vulnerability, and exploring topics we may all be afraid of to go into alone. Topics including God, sex, devotion, death, faith, relationship, yoga, addiction, shame, guilt, miracles, and healing. I love to hold the space for grace to flow and to bridge the gap between our shadows and our creative offerings and service in the world. So So,
1: my goodness,
0: I have so many things I want to ask you, but out of just that little list of things I just said, which one stood out to you?
1: Oh, I mean, death is probably the f- death, sex, shame, um, relationship. I think those are probably the ones that stood out the most.
0: Yeah, great. So let's start with death. Great. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I always want to start, and very, there are not many people in this world that I could just open up the door and say welcome and then say let's talk about death
1: starting at the end
0: (laughs) Yes, starting at the end um so olivia does really really amazing relational work and with individuals and um with couples and she's really over the years has been such a huge support for me in my own journey and healing and self-love. And I, I've told this story a couple of times, but one time when I was having a, just an, a difficult moment with a lover over text messages as those things go oftentimes, um, I was explaining to Olivia just what was happening. And, you know, she was, you know, I was like just explaining what I was trying to say. And so she asked, can I just write the text message for you? <laughs> And I was like, "Um, please write the text message for me." And she did. She wrote the text, but you know, I told her what I was feeling, what I was trying to say, and um, you know, what this other person was experiencing, and or what I was perceiving him to be experiencing. And she wrote this text, and I swear on my life, it immediately worked. It was like it was like a direct like oh, this is how communication skills and, like, this is how relational work works. And I was just, you know, I mean, I just was so impressed in that moment of, like, oh, and just so in awe of, like, the ease, you know. Uh, so I feel like bringing death into the realm of relationship, um, how do what do you feel the connection between death and and our relationships are like what is the yeah
1: yeah well I mean you know I mean we can't even bring shame into this let's bring shame and death into relationship to just get them both in the same sphere
0: because
1: you know I think a a big thing like you and I talk about is that and something I really strongly feel is I really want to remove the shame around the death of a relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, like relationships are supposed to begin and end. It's like anything that comes together will at some point come apart. You know, we're not speaking of like our consciousness or our soul. That can be an eternal relationship because that's an eternal thing. But if we're actually speaking of two people, there's no way that they physically can be together forever, even if they're, together from like 13 to 108 they will still you know separate at 108 so yeah a big mission of mine is to be like folks stop this this hootenanny (laughs) like (laughs) this is ridiculous culturally we've just brainwashed people to believe that being that the naturalness of endings is something to be shameful of and the things that, should, you know, like not having death in a relationship um, is something that should be, you know, praised, even if the relationship is wreaking havoc. Mm. You know, that there's some kind of negativity around the death of a relationship. So I guess my point is that death is natural. Mm. Um, if we're speaking of two physical bodies, mm-hmm. death in relationship is really natural. And I think we, hopefully we're at a time culturally where we can change that we can start to see that and I think actually you know like people started getting married long ago because it was really an ownership thing it was like well I have a farm and I need a partner and they're just like it was a it was a territorial thing but it was also just like functioning like we need to have these people here to actually have this place going moving forward and then like oftentimes if we're talking about a heterosexual couple like when the husband would leave and be like killed or something literally they'd be replaced like instantly there's like really obvious death and they were so connected to the reality of change and Mm. and you know there's something obviously like I'm not into that kind of relationship for practicality I think We're in a new age of relationship where we can really be together for divine purposes, which is so incredible. So we can go beyond death. But if we're talking about just like ordinary death of relationship, I'm all about making it really plain as day as like a sane option. Not only sane, a celebrated option of death being how it goes, reality. I love
0: that. I love that a sane and celebrated option.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I could, I could talk about that for this whole podcast, for sure.
0: Well, I'd love to hear more and more about it. I, I want to ask, do you, do you feel like, like, where do you feel like that started? Like, the do you have any feelings around, like, when, when we, like, as a culture started kind of shaming the ending of relationship or you know, divorce becoming something that was like, you know, yeah, something that.
1: Well, I mean, I wish I had facts because I like facts. Yeah. I couldn't say, but what I would imagine is, you know, religion, certainly that, that puts down divorce. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that has really encouraged, you know, there's a lot of people to this day that believe divorce is worse for everybody. I listened to actually a podcast the other day with someone that I was really shocked that said like, you know, you should always stay together for the kids. And, you know, my understanding is the data out there actually says that if it's an unhealthy situation, divorce is healthier for the children. Right. But anyways, that's a whole other thing. But like, um, I'm sure religion and then, you know, the media out there, the 50s family where, you know, everything's so perfect. It's just this idea of what perfection is. And, you know, our culture, you know, as you and I know, likes to avoid death in general like we like to put somebody that will disintegrate into a box underground which makes no sense like it literally makes no sense and I mean like it's just going to be an empty box with bones in it like we are so crazy so like we do that right So we do this and then it's like so we avoid death completely we like put it in a a stone box underground and then we do the same thing with relationships where we're like okay everything's going to be perfect let's completely avoid that like change is inevitable yeah so I think it's the same kind of thing it's like preservative foods that came around the same time where it's like let's pretend that this bread will be perfect for three months (laughs) it's like all the same (laughs) Well, there's
0: two things that are coming up for me as you're sharing this. One, and I just want to say them both, and then maybe you can speak to them both. But one of them being, <laughs> I just keep thinking of, like, bones in a
1: box. And you're like, how crazy. So um, cool. Oh, goodness. Yeah, and like, in people's understanding of sacredness. They're like, but you have to do that. That's, to some people, that's more sacred yeah. than offering it to animals to eat or burning it. It's so interesting, just our minds and how we mm-hmm. see So the two things that are coming up when you were just
0: sharing that is one, then, you know, what do we do about the pain of heartbreak then? Because, you know, there's that reason why, you know, there's like this whole cultural thing that, um, you know, and also just that feeling that is our conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's like the deeper emotional aspect of like, you know, you have to face pain where I think when we're, you know, ignoring something or or not just ignoring it, but, you know, avoiding that. It can oftentimes be like an avoidance of pain, which is understandable. In my experience, it's like I've actively like chosen to like not experience that because I'm like, I'm going to wait another like week, you know, like this is just like, who has time to feel all this pain? And then the other thing I want to share and ask is, what you were saying of you know like in the 50s and just like this model of like you know society and relationship and how it's meant to look and just the divide and you know now we have like you know instagram and now we have you know so many things of course that we're all and and ways of connecting with one another that are in these like two-dimensional kind of realities um just the divide and, like, the pain of the divide between, like, what that is and what reality is. Like, I know from my experience growing up, I... People, like, thought I had the best family. And I didn't have, like, the worst family at all. Hi, Mom. I love you. But, you know, it was also, like, what people thought and what I thought, you know, like, was a whole... was a huge lie. Like, I, you know, woke up to this. Like, so many facts of my life that I had no, no awareness of, you know, and the pain of that, like double living or something, you know, or this like, I don't know, this thing that I think happens for a lot of us and a lot of people where we're doing what we think we should do. And it's just so not true to our nature and just the pain of that as well. So can you speak to the the pain of heartbreak and the pain of like not living in your, in your, you know, that what is true to your to your soul Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so um, yeah i think for i love that you bring that up because that's definitely a big um a big part of why we don't make changes why we don't allow death to happen in our life whether it's of death of anything um yeah having to actually feel and i think um you asked why right why we don't Or
0: I asked what, what, what do we do? Like if anyone, you know, is listening right now, it's like in that position or, you know, do you have any just words of wisdom around, you know, what do you do with heartbreak? And I know you just um, came out with a really amazing course on heartbreak called in between and, you know, just any bits of wisdom um, that you have for someone that's either experiencing heartbreak or is anticipating heartbreak.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. for sure do my program.
0: <laughs> Definitely do our
1: program. It's amazing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really big conundrum. I think the, you know, first step for sure is to learn how to feel and to to have support to feel. Obviously, if it's a traumatic situation, we really need support. Like if there's some kind of really deep stuff that's going to come up, we need support. Um, Otherwise we can, you know, through meditation, especially in somatic meditation, learning how to actually feel what's within us really resting with what our body is. Because I think the problem with heartbreak and the problem with um, our resistance to it is we're, we're slowly dying. So we're either, we're going to die either way. So either we're staying in a relationship that's not working for us And we're slowly dying, like we're slowly losing our life force and our truth because we're no longer, we know what's right for us, and yet we're furthering ourselves away from that core of truth. Mm -hmm. So, like, to really recognize that, to be like, well, either I can really go through the fire fully, which is actually brings aliveness, or we can slowly die and not actually live our truth. So, I think the first part is like, really acknowledging that, (laughs) acknowledging like, okay, am I ready to like go through the the intensity of this for the sake of having a a real true life. Mm -hmm. But I actually want to say even before that, that something I, I feel like karma is real. You know, like when we speak of karma, it's like there's certain activities and things that have happened in our previous lifetimes or this lifetime. And sometimes even if we know that it's time to for something to die we can't do anything about it like it's just not time the fruit hasn't become fully ripe
0: that's mm-hmm.
1: so why i always like to tell that to people too like anyone listening right now you may be in a place where it's like you need, know you need to leave a relationship and yet for some reason you really can't mm-hmm. and like i just have so much compassion because i know that place personally mm-hmm. and sometimes it really isn't right it might might be plain as day to somebody else but to you for some reason you can't separate those karmic bonds Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, if there's abuse or anything dangerous, you have to. You have to get support to do that. But if we're talking about something that's less than dangerous to yourself, then sometimes it might just take a little bit more time um, to actually be willing to go through the fire of change. (laughs) Um, Is that helpful? Yeah, I love that. Um, But yeah, I think the first step is to really learn how to feel and to be with ourselves so we can start to um, build a connection with our inner truth Mm. I think that's like the first step of dealing with heartbreak is being like okay can I sit here and feel the grief can I sit here and feel the fear of hurting somebody of hurting myself just Mm. like can I do that and can I love myself through that process I think that's the first step Mm. in terms of how to just begin that that journey
0: yeah and I feel like it's I think initially it's, it feels like in my experience, it can feel so the opposite of self-love because in my experience, so much old like shame or guilt or blame, or like just like gnarly shadow stuff will arise when it, it is actually like the act of self-love and self-care, you know, like maybe one of the greatest acts of self-love and self-care.
1: Totally. And I think that's why it's so important to have some kind of inner practice, whether it is meditation or something. So you can separate the old ideas of what's okay and good versus what's good for you. Because I think that's kind of where like the self-love versus self-loathing can come in is like, we make a change that's positive for us, but we're so patterned to believe that this is this, you know, staying with somebody is right, or we hurt somebody. So that must be wrong. We have all these ideas. So if we don't have any kind of inner practice of um, knowing something beyond our thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, knowing, knowing how, what feels good in our body, what feels right for our heart, then we can sometimes just get really trapped in those old patterns of belief systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah um yeah so but when you're saying like I think that's connected to the truth of the soul mm-hmm. growing up and I think that's a hard one you know like we all are born into families that hopefully we learn our lessons from like we we, we use we, we learn what we're supposed to learn and it's hard when you're a child you can only do the best you can do right and once again I personally believe in karma so I'm like well you did what you could in that moment there's no point in regretting it now, but like, what can you learn from it now? I think is really the more important question
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: because, you know, these things just happen. Like we, we can't, we can't be more awake than we are. Mm -hmm. And I think the big thing is just really being on a path of love. So we can have compassion for ourselves, compassion for our parents, compassion for our siblings, you know, like that's what we're trying to grow in as spiritual beings is, how can we just expand in love um, rather than just like analyzing and judging what, what happened? Mm. Yeah, love that.
0: Loving it all up. Let's just all take a moment and just love up our whole human predicament. <laughs> our whole, The whole
1: thing. <laughs> love, 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 love. Love it up. Love it up. So let's talk about God. Let's do it. What is God to you? I love that you asked that. You know, the other day I was singing, um, the, I was singing uh, My Sweet Lord, you know, the George Harrison song. Mm-hmm. And I was closing my eyes, <laughs> singing it. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, I was like, why does this feel so good? And what came to me was when I connect with this word God, I'm really just connecting to the untouchable place within me. And it's not personal and it's, you know, everything. And it's so loving, like there's no bias and no bias in that space. So to me, I would say that that's what God is. It's like just beyond you, me. It's just so good. You know, it's just so good. That's what God is. (laughs) <laughs> add another G in there it's just so good <laughs> I mean, yeah totally. what do you think that is
0: I mean I feel like you just articulated it in such a beautiful way that, and I, I also feel that that space of love that you know goes goes beyond you know judgments and right and wrong and you know all of it and, and that place that we connect to that. I connect to inside, you know, and in that same way, I love that. Just thinking about you, like sitting outside, with your eyes closed, just singing George Harrison. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that experience of of the unknown, I think to me is like the exploration of what God is. Is I'm constantly like, I don't know, and. I want to, it's like one of those things that feels like, it feels like that. And then in moments it feels like that great love, you know, that illumines everything. It's like.
1: It's so true in terms of being a human being in the modern world. Hmm. I feel like God is the greatest antidote. Anytime I feel into that space, everything, anything, any of the minutiae or anything that's trivial, Mm -hmm. Has no place anymore, has no grip on me. Mm. I feel the same yearning as you, as you know. Yeah. Talk about
0: this. (laughs) Yeah, I talk about this almost daily, probably every couple
1: days. (laughs) Talk about death, God, (laughs) shame. Definitely. Yeah.
0: What do you feel like creates suffering?
1: Mm. What creates suffering? Gosh, Adriana, you're so good. Uh, <laughs> the best questions of all time. <laughs> the only good things to talk about. Everybody out there.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's so hard because so many of us never get to talk about any of this, and it makes me like I'm like to cry right now. Like actually thinking about how little we get to talk about these things in a way that is like positive. Too, you know, that it's like, uh, so I'm just so grateful to be here with you and get to ask you all these questions. So
1: fun. It's so much fun. It's like the biggest party we've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) This is our Um, idea of the biggest party. (laughs) God's here, suffering's here,
0: everybody's here. Everybody, come on in. (laughs) Come on in. (laughs) <laughs> we made it. We're alive.
1: <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna take on from some pretty traditional teachings because I feel them to be true. Mm-hmm. But I would say that suffering comes from an att- attachment to things being a certain way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, attachment to ourself, as physical bodies, and uh, Suffering's created because I'm Olivia and you're Adriana and there's some difference in separation between us. There's suffering. There's this subtle suffering that exists all the time from living in separation and conceptual separation
0: mm-hmm.
1: and everything we're talking about. Suffering really also comes because all things change and we don't want them to. Mm-hmm. And, and until we connect with our eternal state, we're going to suffer mm. suffering is inevitable so, so it, it's just this thing that is even greater if we avoid it in a way the long, the more we can embrace that suffering just naturally exists that we're ever changing bodies with an eternal soul um the more we can embrace that and actually know it to be true for ourselves mm. the more we can be liberated from the suffering that we experience beautiful Sign me up bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up then maybe you could figure all that out for me. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me the cheat sheet. <laughs> Which there are a lot of cheat sheets out there but even still you have to do it for yourself I guess. That's
0: the thing right? It's like I feel so many so many different ways out there to like get get ahead of god, you know, and 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 always you know there's all these ways but then to you still then we still have to do the work you know, we still it's still so have to,
1: true. It's, just, it's so true. You read these, I was reading a book just a little bit ago on, on this topic, uh, on the mind. And I was thinking, well, it's all here. I guess I need to go meditate now. And, you know, it, there's just, I think that's kind of the challenge of being in this world where so much, um, so many wise teachings that used to never be written down. I mean, you mm. know, the Buddha never wrote down a single teaching and it, And I think, you know, I'm sure a lot of other really wise teachers, same thing. Like people, a lot of things were just done by oral oral teachings. And so it's such an interesting time where so much is written down. I mean, there's so many juicy books out there on all of this. And that you read it and you get these like pings of aha moments. But then to actually have a sustained existence in the aha is a lifetime or lifetimes of investigation. It's so wild. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to
0: ask you about, if you would just share a little bit about like your initial, the beginning of your spiritual path and what that looked like. And mm-hmm. what do you feel like you've attained from these years of doing spiritual practice?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I don't know where to start. Like, you know, for sure when I was younger, I remember two different people gave me the book Siddhartha, like when I was in my teenage years. Two close friends, they were like, I think you'll like this book. And I remember being really touched by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was in college, I did some naughty things mm-hmm. and I felt very paranoid about them. And so I started to become a very serious yoga practitioner. You know, I was. I thought I'd be a yoga teacher actually at first I was very focused on that aspect of the the, the body aspect. Yeah. Um, And so that was kind of the beginning in a way. And then um, I think like I really became a serious practitioner. I was in South America and I was reading all these books by Chogyam Trungpa right after college. And I said, you know what, I need a teacher. That's like, it was written in the books you need a teacher. <laughs> I, yeah. said. I do, I do. <laughs> so I, I got a job at this retreat center, which I ended up you know living at for a bunch of years. Mm-hmm. And that's like really when my practice started and really became a more sincere practitioner and studied and everything like that. But I think it's, it definitely started just because I can feel so much suffering. I've always wanted people to be happy. And I have always wanted something real. And I've never been a small talker. I've always been like, Tell me really what's going on. Tell me the heart of everything. I don't want any of this bologna, you know? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I've never eaten bologna, and I've always been curious. It's a mission I feel like, really remember in this lifetime to have a piece of bologna.
0: You can just feel into my experience, because I've definitely eaten many bologna sandwiches growing up, like bologna and cheese on white bread with mayonnaise. Oh, wow. That's definitely, like, that was like a beach, a beach time hit. And the mm,
1: maybe the little sand added a little bit yeah, of fiber. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess I don't really need it. I'm over <laughs> that That goal, it just arose in my mind, but now it's gone. But yeah. Bologna. Is. Bologna. <laughs> so crazy, huh? <laughs> the 50s. Back to the 50s. Meat that will never die. That's what we should put. Everybody, when they get put in their caskets, you should just wrap them in bologna. <laughs> That's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna put on my will. Wrap me in some bologna, and then burn
0: me. Meat that will never die. <laughs> yes. it's like the, that's like everything that's wrong with our food society.
1: So true. It's so true.
0: <sighs> oh, so sad. Um. <laughs> so the second part of my question around because and the reason why I'm asking, I guess I'll share is that. I just, on the on the path of living with an awakening heart, on the spiritual path, we come up against so many things in us that cause us to resist, some of us, I think many of us, you know, cause us to resist, you know, what, like, resist moving forward. I, I'm not sure that's, like, actually impossible, technically, but, or spiritually, <laughs> technically spiritually, but... I know the feeling of resistance and, you know, I work with a lot of people and, you know, they come sometimes and I'm like, I'm sorry, I haven't, you know, come, you know, I just like, couldn't hit, you know, and I'm like, it's totally fine. Like you're great, you know? And I know what it's like to have that feeling where you're like, I need to just stay away from this for a second or, you know, all that resistance. And so I just, I know you, I just know you really live what you have studied like I know you personally and so I, I can I know I feel the way that you live and, and I feel that you've really attained I feel what you've attained um, but I, I'm curious if you like what your experience of that is hmm. and you've just devoted so much of your time and life to you know living in a, in a devotional way in in many different ways and so I just think it'd be so sweet to hear and to give us a hit of, you know, what is possible.
1: Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> that number one on the spiritual path is to not say you've attained anything. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, I think I've had the mundane attainments, you know, in terms of, I think that when my life falls apart, it's much more reasonable for me. Like things that would really shatter some people for some reason are okay. Even if my heart's breaking, I'm okay. Cause it's not my life. It's not who I am, you know? And some part of me knows that. So I think that would be like the most Mm. outer reflection of my experience is that I, there, I do feel like I live, I say this from like, um, I feel a little nervous to say like anything that I am, you know, Mm -hmm. just, it feels obnoxious to begin with, but Mm -hmm. I do feel that that is true in terms of, and I I bet the universe is now going to offer me more challenges. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you universe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think that's a big thing of the spiritual path is, um you know if you're a sincere practitioner you have to be able to see changes like mm-hmm. if you're not if you're not happier and becoming more free and there's not like a more you're not feeling more um equanimity I guess like balance in your soul mm-hmm. and there might be something might be something going wrong in your practice you might need mm-hmm. to shift it or shift direction or something like that so yeah I feel for myself that uh that would I think be the main thing I could say.
0: Yeah. I'm a little
1: then, nervous to answer that question. To be honest, I'm not quite sure what to say. Well, yeah.
0: I think that reflection of you, you not when your life falls apart or if you know when things break down that it's not you and that, you know, you have a you have a different way of handling it and have a different way of living through it, which I think is really true, and it's something that I've witnessed in you, and have really admired. I really admire that about you, like, and I so I, I feel like that's very true, and and I understand why you're nervous to answer the question or <laughs> an obnoxious question, anyway. That was part of what I wanted to ask.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that old part. Nothing has been attained, okay. <laughs> Got that universe. No
0: more tests. No. No more tests. (laughs) (laughs) I always feel like that, too. I'm always like, oh, if I say this, then here we go. But anyway, here we are. That's true. I want to talk about passion Mm -hmm. and (laughs) sexuality. And nature. <laughs> all the things. Wrong, but I love. But I know you love too. Um I don't exactly know what my question is. <laughs> but I just know I need to touch on all those things with you. So Maybe, do you feel like there is a connection between our ability as humans to experience pleasure and experience um, joy and the way that we relate to nature and to the natural world? Mm-hmm. Um
1: like how are they interconnected yeah they support each other yeah yeah totally um well i think to experience pleasure if we're talking about even sexual pleasure yeah um everyday pleasure it's all energy right so it's like the more we can open ourselves up to really allow ourselves to feel energy then we can actually experience bliss we can experience these things because so many of us like want pleasure but yet we can't even handle it. You know, we experience a little bit and then we immediately like do something because we get anxious about how it feels. It's too much energy in our system. So mm-hmm. um, I think being in nature, one, because nature really supports our nervous system and helps us relax and tends to us, can mm-hmm. really help us relax and open up our, ourselves to feel more because we're not anxious and we, we feel safe and supported. Mm, such a so, good I think nature really helps with that, and then just um, like the way nature is is how is it the perfect reflection of how to be a pleasured being. Like I'm right now, I'm looking out into the fields right now, and the sky is open, and the trees are open and nothing is closed everything is available to light to the elements change to intensity to the warmth of the sun to the intensity of wind and lightning and so like nature is a perfect example of the openness that we have to be if we really want to receive love and also just like the currents of um sap and energy moving through all living forms. So if you take a tree and the, um, you know, water and um, just all the different light energy to create all these plants that's moving through it, you know, we're the same, especially if we're feeling like an orgasm or something like that, we need to learn how to cycle that energy. And so I think, you know, if we look at a tree in so many ways, they're a great example of that. Yes, they're, they're breathing and um inhaling and all of those things so I think it's such a good example of like a grounded way to be totally open and pleasured if that's even a word by life and love and all the things that come with that mm. I love that
0: <laughs> I just going to hang out there for a second
1: yeah I think too it's like nature's so incredible because you'll have these trees that are so steady but then you'll have like the, the hawks flying over and the little mosquitoes and there's so much going on you know and yet there's space for all of it and so I feel like it's the same thing if we want to be a sexually pleased being or we want to just be pleased by the nature of humanity which is sadness and bliss and joy and anger and all these things it's like we literally see all of our teachings as we look out into the fields you know it's like oh i think i need to be the hawk right now or oh the mosquito like oh i hate that little thing that just happened today you know but (laughs) that's what's happening you know it's like there's just it's constantly a teaching Mm. a living teaching and how to make i love what you said and how there's space for it all space for it all
0: yeah Mm. i feel like that's one of the greatest gifts of of having a spiritual practice or meditation practice, you know, is it really, it can really help us create and cultivate that container, not just like as a literal space, like you have to meditate every day or you're gonna go crazy, or I don't really view it like that. Well, maybe actually, <laughs> that's kind of true for me, kind of. But, you know, just the idea of like creating or just the experience of, you know, there is that our bodies are these vessels and are these containers, like you're saying for energy. And so, so many times, you know, we think we want something like what you said, or I think I want this love, or I think I want that or whatever it is. And then, you know, to receive it is a a totally different thing, you know, because we don't know what that's going to bring up. And we don't know how Exactly. Even how much our nervous system is going to, you know, handle it as we evolve and as we grow. I mean, I feel like there's a reason why we're given what we're given when we're given it, you know, throughout our lives. And I I feel like that is part of it, you know, is that it, it helps us to expand and grow in the ways that we need and prepares us for, you know, ultimately death apparently but you know each and every more and more love too you know and and that's that i mean from from you know my teacher's perspective it's you know death is the ultimate release into love it's like the the ultimate love um so yeah
1: and i love that you bring that up that made me think of too you know we're speaking of death from this very dark standpoint when
0: yeah.
1: you know the whole of a lot of these spiritual traditions is to be free that to be free from birth or death to really to connect with our eternal nature which is what we meet when we have an orgasm mm-hmm. is we meet our eternal nature so we actually are available to death and birth at the same time to what's beyond who we are so you know like that kind of pleasure um, is synonymous with death is synonymous. Um, with freedom and all of these things so I think that's also like coming back to the beginning of the conversation of you know pleasure and death are supposedly they can be inseparable and I think if anyone has a, a deep orgasm of some kind then you know beyond like clitoral orgasms or things like that then something deeper that's um, really opens you up beyond what you knew before then in some way we're touching death in that moment, or we're touching our some idea of what our eternal nature might be like.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah.
1: Do you feel like
0: the exploration of you know the depth of your being, you know, through meditation, but also through the relational work you do? I feel like it it helps it helps us to get more honest. You know, like when we explore intimacy and we explore the the depths of the layers of our being you know and and in that exploration do you feel like there's a connection then to like what you were just speaking to like an orgasm you know like i know for me when i was younger it was like i you know and as i as i grew and as i grew in my relationship to god but also in my relationship to being in my body in a more loving way you know my the way that i experience orgasms has completely changed to where my whole body can have an orgasm or different parts of my, you know, a cervical orgasm or, you know, just all of these things that I feel like people are kind of missing out on in a certain way. And also is, I mean, and it also can be like one of the benefits, you know, it's like we go through so much shit on the path. It's also like, you know, it's like you go through big stuff, but, you know, there's also this element to it too, of, of experience pleasure in deeper and deeper ways.
1: So true. Yeah. And like, you know, I think the relational work is so powerful. You know, oftentimes we do embodied work, you know, so Mm -hmm. people will learn to really feel what's actually happening in their body Mm -hmm. versus going straight to the mind. Mm -hmm. Because like if you want to have any kind of deep intimate experience with somebody else. We have to be willing to stay in our body and Mm -hmm. not go into our mind. And so, yeah, the relational work of even just being with somebody, you know, and actually seeing what you feel in the present moment and receiving somebody else's actual embodied experience. Like, even just like, I feel nervous. I feel a little nervous and excited right now. I feel, um, I feel, I feel my toes touching the cushion underneath me and they're kind of wiggling. And I feel them like brushing up against this velvet that I'm on and, you know, just like, even those really simple things if we can share that with our intimate partner and if we don't have an intimate partner we can share that with our friends or family and just start Mm -hmm. to communicate that way Um, when we are in an intimate partnership with somebody else if we're communicating in that way then we build trust and we Mm -hmm. build also just like familiarity with being in our bodies so then when we actually merge with somebody it's not so alien it's not like Mm. Well, we've never done this embodied connection thing, you know, mm-hmm. all day long. Because like so many people are heady all day long and then they get yeah. into bed and all they want to do is get that energy out because they've yeah. just been rolling with all these anxious, all sorts of ideas they don't even know about. They don't even know what's happening in their head. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, two people get into bed and it's like, you can't go too deep because all that needs to happen right now is to, is to basically move that frenetic energy out mm. and so when you do these kind of stabilized relational activities of really being in, in embodied ordinary partnership to begin with, yeah. and then you actually move to those the intimate arena, there is this familiarity of connecting from that place and also just a really deep trust. You trust yeah. the person. It, you know, it takes time to really open to somebody into that depth. It takes tremendous trust um, and even trust. Um, you know in one way, trust in another, but then also just trust in your deeper self, which you really connect to when you sit with yourself and ha- really understand what's happening within.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love that. So good. I just like, <laughs> want to know more and more about it. I want to know more about like the emotional intimacy aspect, like just how, I mean, what you just said and, and I've done this work with you of, really being inside your body when relating and when communicating Mm -hmm. which seems like such an obvious thing that we like we would do but it's not actually it's like really in my experience it's very rare and for me to do it it's like takes practice you know and then in relationship in intimate partnership romantic relationship I feel like all of the things at least in my experience up until now I'm open to new experiences universe um, up until now it's like a lot of the things that would pull me out of my body like the things that would trigger me that would send me into like my the you know the suffering of my mind essentially and so I, I feel like I could see how that work you know could also be so healing but also is is would not be the natural thing that we would do no right
1: I mean, it's definitely a practice because it's a, it's a new language as well. It's not only a practice of just remembering to come into your body, remembering to take the time to communicate because it's present moment awareness. It's, it's, you know, you can't say what your body felt five minutes ago. That wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is you have to say what it feels like right now, which is a whole practice. It's meditation, but um, life meditation in a way. Yeah and yeah and I think it's a whole new language too of actually learning what we feel often we think that we're saying things that are feelings but they're not feelings Mm. we're actually saying thoughts you know and concepts and so yeah it definitely takes a practice and um it's kind of like anything it's a little bit of a discipline in the beginning hopefully a joyful discipline of like wow, this feels so good to be in my body and to communicate from this place. So oftentimes if you're in a a couple or some kind of relational dynamic, you can do it every day. Be like, okay, at every dinner, we're going to spend 10 minutes speaking in this way. And, you know, it definitely takes practice. Yeah. Yeah. But then it becomes more normal and it's so refreshing too, because I notice for myself when I'm in conversation with somebody naturally, I just want to express what's happening in my body. And I can tell that it's so, it feels so right and so sincere because it's not made in my mind. There's, there's no way to deny my experience. And, and who would want to deny me saying, my feet are touching the velvet. I feel my feet touching the velvet underneath. I mean, like, I'm not saying anything crazy too. And that's the thing is that it's all very... Um, there's no defenses. You know, we're saying what we feel, not what somebody else is doing to us, which, you know, that creates a lot of separation and intimate partnership. And I've definitely been a culprit of this, of blaming other people, saying what they have done to me, what they're, how they're making me feel. You know, that's a big one. And so really learning just to say what we feel and what our experience is is super powerful. Mm.
0: i want to ask you about divine love and um like well one other thing before i get to the divine love is i feel like that way of (laughs) divine love I feel that way of relating and even just like having the awareness of, you know, being in our bodies in that way. Like if it wasn't a conscious thing, like somebody else knew you were going to be doing that, but you also weren't going to just be like sitting down next to somebody and be like, you know, I really feel like, the. Ve- I mean, I would actually probably do that, but most people wouldn't, you know, like speak in that language unless the other person knew. But I think even just the awareness of, like a little bit of that and speaking from that place like even just 5% of that it it takes us out of so much anxiety you know because anxiety is just this you know the over over energy of our mind you know and, and where our energy is being so focused in our in our minds and i always feel like any moment that i'm dropped down into my experience of my body in any way like you said one of the things that happens is just this deep trust gets built which is just such a huge relief you know we're all like so many of us are just afraid to even be in our bodies at this point because of us, like things that we've experienced in our lives or just constantly paying attention to the news and like what's going on in the world I mean I'm not doing that but you know many of us are and it's terrifying to just like be in a human body and be vulnerable and just be open it's like it's so it's challenging, you know, because it's, it can be so scary, but I feel, I find that, you know, that kind of work and even just having just even what you shared with us, like being able to take a little bit of that and noticing, like, what am I feeling in my body in this moment and helping us to take responsibility for our own experience too, is so empowering, like so radically empowering.
1: Yeah, definitely. And also, Um, like when you, you know, going back to earlier in the conversation, how to deal with heartbreak or a difficult situation coming into our body is so helpful because Mm. oftentimes it's, you know, what's in the mind that's creating a lot of the difficulty. So if we can actually come into our body and make decisions from that place and just feel, oh, I feel so scared or I feel, Mm. um, Oh, I feel some relief from this, or, you know, you can just really start to understand the subtleties in your body. Mm. And when we make decisions from that place, like what you're saying, we feel we can trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not only do we know the subtleties in our body, our body's not going to lie to us as much as our minds. Right. <laughs> you know, there's all these funny things going on in the mind. The body it has funny things too, but it, it's a little, I find it's a little more trustworthy, a little more sincere.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just this aspect of like being able to trust ourselves. I mean, that is such a,
1: oh, so good. It's so huge. It's such a big deal. Yeah.
0: I want to read something of yours. And then I want to ask you about divine
1: love. I I just want to say that I love that you're touching on every enormous, amazing topic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I really, I feel like I'm at
0: stone unturned. (laughs) We'll do this again. I'll ask you all the same questions. (laughs) We'll have all new answers because it'll be a different moment. (laughs) I want to read something that you wrote the other day that I loved so much.
1: Okay, great. I'm going to turn on the light while you do that. Or not while you do
0: it. This is something Olivia wrote the other day. pulled it from her instagram which is full of beauty and just full of so many so much juicy deep wisdom and amazingness so you should definitely find her on instagram if you want to feel the natural world inside of your phone (laughs) i'm going to read this this little bit that you wrote it says the mirror of natural beauty Change, decay, rebirth is profoundly beautiful in its nature. If we can let our ideas of who we are be swept up into the wind and weather and live how our elemental world and soul shapes us, perhaps we will touch and celebrate our eternal beauty that lives in all things. Mm. Mm. So what do you feel the connection between and, and I want to bring this aspect of eternal beauty, you know, that lives in all things and, and divine love. Like to me, these are, they're, they're almost like one and the same. They're like kind of different flavors of the same lollipop. I don't know why I'm thinking of a lollipop. <laughs> you no, know, they, they feel like, you know, they, they both have this eternal, quality but very personal you know like at the same time um energy to them and 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 I find them both in the natural world but also in my experience my inner experience and in my experience of other people it's very easy for me to connect to that uh not everybody all the time but you know working on it <laughs> um, but connecting the, to that eternal beauty and um that divine love in all beings as well. And so just any, any words that you have to say around that connection and what that means to you. Um,
1: yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I think eternal beauty is divine love. Mm. And obviously these are big words or big phrases, I guess, in a way um but i think we're all seeking something and most people have a awareness of some dissatisfaction mm. and whether we're it's a, a beauty external beauty you know we're trying to look young forever look some like somebody else mm. um or trying to get somebody to make us feel loved um, these are obviously not the eternal beauty or Mm -hmm. the divine love we're speaking of because they're changeable. They're um, dependent on something that's not indestructible. So like for me, when I think of eternal beauty and divine love, I think of something completely indestructible, timeless, beyond space, beyond this body. Um, And it's so beautiful because it's true. Mm -hmm. And like true, something true is something unchanging. Mm -hmm. So if we're speaking of nature, nature is so beautiful because it's so what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like nature does not try to persuade you of anything. It is yeah. what it is, right? And it's so gorgeous and astounding. And I think we humans, you know, of course, we're made of this world. We're made of the sunlight that makes plants that we eat. We are all of the same energy. And so in this lifetime, the goal is to see that, is to see that we are eternal beauty, to see that, we are divine love and nature is, a, once again, just a really great mirror to help us recognize our true nature. And so, yeah, I think they're definitely connected And that. And those two phrases are going to give us what we've been yearning for. Every moment we wake up, any moment we feel slightly uncomfortable, I think it's because we're not in our true nature. I don't think it's because something went wrong at work or home. I think it's mm. because. We're not connected to that untouchable, um, unchangeable, non-conceptual state of our being.
0: Mm. Crazy for truth. Crazy for everything true. about you. Truth is
1: no less alone in the world. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank goddess. Seriously. Yeah. And seriously. And seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I love, you know, eternal beauty, I think, is so important right now. Mm-hmm. I think just, um, you know, I have like a skincare line and, I've, mm-hmm. and I think I get confused about, um, you know, people will be like, well, you know, you're promoting a skincare line, so you should look good, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> you know, no wrinkles or anything. And I'm like, well, you know... If I'm going to live well in this lifetime, to me, I better have the markings of living well, which to me means joy, which means lines all over the place from laughter mm-hmm. and from spending countless hours naked in the sun. Like that to me is way more important than outer wrinkles that will go when I die. Yeah. So I'd rather live outwardly fully. To me, that's beauty. Yeah. And I'd rather spend my time finding eternal beauty rather than doing anything else. You do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best, everybody. We want you to know it's the best. Don't Mm -hmm. worry, look in the mirror and just know you're so much more. Uh, so much more than what we can see on the outside. So much, like even more than, like Adriana and I can't even begin to touch your divinity. We can't, if we did, then it wouldn't be divinity. That's why we just want to be. Do you guys, do you hear us, people? Eternal beauty. Eternal beauties. Eternal
0: beauties, you are.
1: All of you. Every single person listening to this, even the little ants that are on in your kitchen. My kitchen. Listening, you are all little <laughs> eternal beauties. Everything. How did you know that I had ants on my counter? Oh, because you told me the other day. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait I a second. second on the insect situation. <laughs> oh well. you gotta be real about the mundane too. Yeah,
0: I'm having a very like Saint Francis of CC moment in my in my house. You're always having that moment, but in your in your wild. <laughs> Animal element. I'm having like Los Angeles, francis yeah. you're like
1: you're, you're like sitting there in your white cloak and you're giving them a sermon on the mount. You're like little aunties, listen, I want you to be free. Listen, come here, I will take you out into the wild. You cannot have my honey because I need it all. But
0: <laughs>
1: you know, my grandmother growing you can up, have a little drop. Seriously, I think it's so sweet. My grandmother, when she used to make jam growing up, we had to open up her cabinets and there'd just be all this old jam and so many ants. <laughs> <laughs> I was always thinking to myself, oh, there's a lot of ants in there, but she didn't care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of sweet. Thank you for diminishing
1: my ant shame. <laughs> <laughs> so, check We've checked off the ant shame for this, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you're dealing with any
0: pesky animals in your house, don't feel any shame about it. So, oh, I could talk to you forever, but our time's up. So, we're going to just close with a couple—just literally just a minute or two of a little um, meditation on the soul. Do you feel inspired to lead it, or would you like me to?
1: A <laughs> meditation on the soul.
0: Normally, I would lead it with other people because they don't do this, but you do. So it's up to you. Um, I'll
1: leave a meditation.
0: Yeah, just like a two-minute little center, yeah. just to bring us into this. All this good stuff we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, so you can close your eyes if you're able to. Obviously, if you're driving, continue to drive and do this later. But you can close your eyes and just take a moment to relax your body. Relax, see the muscles in your face. And you can rest your tongue at the top of your mouth and just rest. And pay attention to your in breath and out breath to help settle your mind. You can literally allow your breath to massage your inner landscape. Leaving a trail of love and peace. And it's okay if you have any thoughts or anything arising, but stay committed to your breath, stay committed to following its movement. And there's nothing you can do wrong right now. So you don't need to worry at all. So below your thoughts. There's a whole world of space that exists in you. Beyond your mind. Beyond any ideas. And so the more we can sit here and rest in that space We can feel our natural freedom. We can feel our our nature, who we are with each breath. I recommend you continue to do this as long as you can, but since we're doing a short meditation, when you're ready, you can open your eyes.
0: Ah. Ah. what a joy yeah what a joy what a joy it is to be alive mm-hmm. thank you so much for all of your wisdom and all of your insights and just your whole being it's such a gift to me and to the world so thank you so
1: much Mm, thank you too thank you for inviting me on your podcast and i'm so excited for its continual unfoldment and yeah you're so pure hearted i i love being in your company
0: you can find olivia all like i said all over up on instagram olivia clementine and you can find her on our website, and Check out her products and her course. If you're going through a heartbreak, definitely do the course. I've done it and it's going to do it again. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and yeah, reach out if you need any support and I'm sending you all lots and lots of love and just lots of peace and connection and blessings for your day. And or your evening. We'll see you next time. See you later divine beings. See you later.
1: keeping you.